Hello and welcome to Mega City Book Club, the podcast all about the galaxy's greatest comics. I'm Eamon Clark. I'm in Close Encounters comic shop in Peterborough and I'm back with Graham Cannon. Welcome back, Graham. Thanks for having me again, Eamon. Pleasure. Here we are in a comic shop upstairs in a little room they've got, which they very kindly let us use. Now, you were on episode 109. Was it that long ago? Yes. <laughs> this will be in the 200s, uh, which where we did Trifecta. Yes. Uh, of course, what we might describe as one of the great in-house crossovers mm. in 2000 AD history. Most surprising for me. Yeah. And you've got another sort of crossover for us today. This was a book that you were quite keen to talk about. What are we doing today? We're doing the uh, crossover with Alien. That came out in 2003. Right. With uh, gorgeous art by Henry Flint and written by John Wagner with a partner this time, Andy yes. Diggle. So Andy Diggle and John Wagner, as you say, Henry Flint, colours by Chris Blythe, lettered by Tom Frame, uh, edited Matt Smith. There's an introduction in our both of our trade paperbacks by Simon Pegg. This, as you say, was 2003, progs 1322 to 1335, We've both got the 2012 Rebellion trade version. We'll talk about other versions when we get towards the end. Mm. I should say it's also, I think it's in Case Files 36, if anybody wants to read along with us. So, Graham, why were you keen to pick this one? I think I was just in a high when we talked about Henry Flint on Trifecta, and this is right. a, a strong example of his artwork again, because like, I think it was this or Small House we were talking about doing, and we chose this. Yes. I mean, it is, it is some uh, legendary Henry Flint art, isn't it, which we'll talk about in a moment. So it's Aliens. It's uh, the xenomorph from the Alien movie and the Aliens movies and so on uh, against Judge Dredd. Give us a quick sort of synopsis of the outline. What's the basic setup? How did It's he- sort of just like all alien stories where there's like two main ones. There's like a lot of aliens and just... The platter gore of them, or it's one alien in a hot house. This is the form of the multiple aliens where someone is carrying it, it gets out, and then it spreads throughout. And this time, Judge Dredd has to come in and clean up the mess. Right. Uh, so you're quite right. There's Dredd and a group of judges, and also a group of uh, the, the Verminators. The Verminators, who I don't know if they've ever turned up since before or after. No, I, I'm not aware of them, but they're sort of like... It's quite surprising to see that as a human job, to be honest. <laughs> yes. You would have thought this would be more robot thing, but like um, they're sort of highly armoured mm. um, vermin control. Could see them as a, a sort of version of the Marines from the Alien franchise itself. Yes. You wouldn't have that here because the Marines are the judges, so you'd have the Verminators filling that role. And... Um, it's set in, there's a hospital, and then there's a, I think there's a nod to Harry Dean Stanton, isn't there? There's a Harry Dean Stanton I believe you're near the start of it, where they're doing the protest. Yeah. Um, and, of course, there are aliens on the loose. There are the various life stages of the alien xenomorph, we'll see. And they're up against judges, and they're up against the verminators. And, of course, they're up against the, uh, the toughest of them all, Judge Dredd himself. So, you've mentioned... The writing, which we're going to start with, because slightly unusually, 
we've got John Wagner back in a partnership with uh, Andy Diggle. And I think it was Andy Diggle who suggested it. Yeah, I think it. in the back of this, he talks about like he was pitching it and John offered if he wanted to join him. Yeah, here we go. Here's the page in the back. Yeah, he suggested the idea. So maybe that was like just before he left as editor. Right. Because I think it's pretty soon when Matt Smith took over, I believe. Well, right. Okay. Um, I'm not 100% sure though. Yeah. So this is interesting that they're writing together and they were bouncing stuff backwards and forwards. They're rewriting each other's episodes and it seems to have all worked pretty well as a partnership, mm. you know. I feel like because Wagner's famously known for being quite minimalist with his script, so it's yes. probably easier to collaborate with him in that sense. Yeah. Um, when you have a panel that says, Dread Panel 1 looks. Yes. <laughs> Dread Grim, as they, you know, famously, the panel description. Um and so we've got uh, the great xenomorphs, the great aliens mm. from the franchise up against Dread and the, and the judges. And the, the, one of the points I noted rereading it in the last couple of days was, um, unlike, say, the first Alien movie where you've got space mm, truckers, mm, mm, mm. this time it's the Justice Department, yes. you know. <laughs> Pretty tough guys. Definitely more in line with the second Alien film than the first. Yes. And, of course, Dread himself... And then the one line that I picked out was quite early on when one of the judges warns Dredd about going into a dangerous situation and saying, you know, that thing's dangerous. And Dredd's reply is just, I'm dangerous too. Mm. Which is a great Dredd moment, mm. I thought, in this book. Well, I love um, early on when the first chestburster comes on, Dredd just backhands it. Yeah. As it goes for him. And we were going to get all the sort of classic uh, alien moments. We're going to get the facehuggers. We're going to get chest bursters, we're going to get acid blood. We're going to have the, um, the bips of the sensor as it picks up an alien coming close. Yeah. Uh, and between them, Andy Diggle and John Wagner, I think, did a very good job of that sort of uh, action movie, mm. you know, uh, encounter between Dread and the alien. I feel like that'll probably be more Andy Diggle bringing in. I don't know how much Wagner was yeah. a fan of the franchise. Yeah, he feels like it probably is Andy Diggle who knew more about the sort of uh, the lore of aliens and, and the, mm. as you say, the film franchise. Maybe that's why John did bring one so he'd be able to sound or read more clearly as. Yes, uh, the sort of dread characterization that he's so good at. Um, and you get dread working with some other judges, particularly mm. Judge Sanchez, I notice, who has a sort of art. This was her first introduction, wasn't it? Was it? I was going to ask that. I, thought, I think this is probably was. Because I was going to read the Dread Reckoning article on this, but then I thought it might affect what I would say. Right. But at the start, they did mention this was her first appearance, and then I think her next one is Origins. Right. Okay. But... It is in, that is in keeping with an also dread trope of taking a young female judge under his wing. It's been around since like the 80s with the perfect judge, cadet, he mentored a giant and most recently Finnegan. Right. I'll probably do outliers of a dread mentee. Yeah. And, and I, I noticed that her path or her arc through this story is not unlike... Um, the movie version of Anderson from 2012, mm. Dredd, and that, you know, at the end of it, she has a fairly low estimate of her own abilities, but Dredd sees something in her that, you know, got the makings of a good judge. And I think we've done this before with a judge in the Wilderlands story yes. arc. We had a judge in there who weren't sure about their abilities, but at the end, Dredd says they're worth it. Yeah. 
So it's a thing that John Wagner has done before and since, but it works particularly well here, doesn't it? And of course, you mentioned Judge Giant because we've got young Judge Giant in this one as well. Mm. Um, Does not appear as much nowadays, sadly. No, but I mean, whenever he turns up, he's always just remarkably competent, mm. and you know, uh, we like him, and he's he's very no nonsense. Uh, one of the interesting things about Dredd's world of the real time is we've seen him from like a young child into an adult now like a a senior judge basically he is now someone people look up to for advice and I know when I've spoken like with Pete Wells about America you know there's sort of like Judge Beanie Mm, that you see from youngsters to now being quite senior judges you can see her become maybe a chief judge at some point it's a nice feature of these comics that you know that we get this sort of character development over the decades that we've had (laughs) Okay, let's turn to the art by Henry Flint. Mm. Um, you know, this is this is an obvious question, but what did you make of it? Uh, oh, it's, uh, always I love Henry Flint's art. This is definitely an earlier version of what he does now, but like you can see, like influences like a square with the helmets, the little dotted lines on there. Yeah, but yeah, it was. But I was just, one thing that I was actually sort of playing with my head after we'd like. I love the Henry Flint. But what would it look like if someone else did do it though? Like, what would a, a square version look like, or what would it look a but no, Henry Flynn was definitely the right choice because he draws a, an amazing-looking xenomorph, all drooly and vicious. Yes, he gets the aliens spot on, doesn't he? They're really good. Um, he's obviously he's excellent at the judge uniform, the judge faces, the craggy faces of the verminators and so on. Um, I thought he did very good. I mean, in a way, the Aliens franchise, for me, works slightly better when it's claustrophobic. Mm, you know? mm, I can see that, yeah. Yeah. Also, the other thing I love is because it's not a film, they can play with the idea of the acid blood and much more depicted. Like there's signs where they just land from a thousand feet and just make a crater of, in the ground. Yeah. As a fool. And, you know, he does brilliantly on this, I think, because, you know, he gets that uh, horror of the creatures, the horror of what they do to their victims, the horror of the acid blood. And then, of course, you just get the fact that uh, Dredd and his team are a bunch of badasses themselves. Mm. Um, as I say, Dredd says, you know, I'm dangerous too, um, which is very good. And it's all, it's all coloured, I think, by Chris Blythe, lettered by Tom Frey. And it, uh, you know, it's brilliant teamwork again um, on this Dredd strip. There's some wonderful bright explosions mm, the use of the magma and, and all that yeah yeah um, which is great stuff there's there's Undercity Mutants uh, it's it's pretty much got everything that you want from a dream strip I feel like part of the writing was probably like because it was being reprinted in America by Dark Horse so maybe a part of the writing was most of the fans would know Alien but maybe not know Dread so a lot of the writing is more leaning towards this is how Dread's world works yes but not in a sort of ham-fisted way in that way that Wagner has learned right and I should have checked was it a dark horse four, four issue or six I issue I believe it was four issues right because it's only what a hundred odd pages I don't know how many yeah which must have been interesting for them having to do it because they would have to be writing for like Dreads five or six pages in the prog plus against the 22 pages in uh, a dark horse floppy mm. um as to when they punch, you know, put in the little sort of cliffhangers and so on. But I think that's when someone like Wagner is a master, like he can create a cliffhanger on most pages. Now. Right. So it's, like you'd have just like this and then cut to like a page there where someone passes and then... 
What about great moments in this run? What about things that stand out to you from it? I love the return of the mechanisms and I love how they're drawn in the uh, Tenth Planet storyline, that like square design with the sort of weird pointed helmets. Yes. Uh, I love uh, where they're trying to save Brubaker and it, the little chest burster attacks the Doctor. That's a great scene. Uh, oh, of course, the, um, when, they put, when the aliens attack the scent, uh, and you've got the big tunnel of aliens charging in. Yeah, I mean, there's great moments in this. Um, great confrontations between the various teams and the aliens. Uh, as you say, there are Mechanismo robots. Uh, there we are, that's a fantastic lava scene. Uh, there are Mechanismo robots which are, get activated, and I think you get a line from um, Giant that says to Dredd, I know you're not terribly keen on these things, but we need them. <laughs> at this moment and I think Dredd says do you see me complaining or something yeah, like exactly. that yeah <laughs> exactly that's right uh, of course the fight on the zoom way with the alien Dredd without his logo sorry just hand to hands an alien that's I mean that's a great action movie moment when Dredd and an, and an alien drop onto the top of a uh, um, a vehicle and uh, it's barreling along while they're batting it out on the top or the upsetting scene of that xenomorph looking at a babe, newborn baby creepy um, there are some creepy moments, uh, particularly in the undercity of the alien mm. eggs and the resin that they secrete uh, to create these sort of weird um, horror bases that we know from the movies. Um, so, yeah, it's fantastic stuff. Now, it's interesting that you did or you chose an in-house crossover mm. with Trifecta and now we've got a sort of out-of-house um crossover with another mm. property which at the time was owned in the comic version must have been owned by Dark Horse Licensed to Dark Horse from 20th Century Fox which are now both in the Disney house Right The mouse owns them The mouse owns everything there yeah um, what, what makes a good crossover for you in terms in comic books? I think the first thing it has to be fun like right. enjoyable read uh, not Especially when it comes to, you have to get right, I can understand both properties well. Hence, we think Andy Diggle brought the alien law and, and Wagner brought, of course, his dread master work. So that has to be a good balance. Act. Like, for me, good crossovers are like Kurt Busiek, George Perez's JLA Avengers. Which oh, right. Those two yes. properties, which recently got reprinted after he passed. Yes, honest. yeah. I know they've done, DC Marvel have done their own property crossovers, have been hit and miss, basically. They did that amalgam universe. Yeah, for a while, that was quite they? strange. Yeah, yeah. And as you say, JLA Avengers recently reprinted because of George Perez's sad passing. Um, I think yeah, they managed to get it reprinted before he passed away. Mm. Thankfully, so he did see it. I know um, DC have done Alien and Predator stuff with Dark Horse in the past before. DC mainly do a lot of other company crosses. I can't really think of many Marvel ones offhand right now. Right. Unless it's from something they've licensed themselves. Like if they've licensed a property to make themselves, they might have a crossover with their characters. Like Rom the Space Knight might see Spider Man or Transformers might see the Avengers, that sort of thing. But yeah, DC have definitely done more company style crossovers. Yeah. And so we've had the in house crossover, which we know about, Trifecta, really good. We've had it in Judgment Day as well, I guess. But I suspect probably best done in Trifecta. Outhouse crossovers with Dread. I mean, famously, Batman. The Batman series, which yeah. lasted about most of the nights. There would be a graphic novel come out. Yes. Started with 
the wonderful Sam Bisley one who uh, I think was going to do the last one until he just couldn't anymore yeah I think that's and right and Jason Basil had to take over yeah that sounds right there was a lot of complication with those Batman crossovers but famously Batman here we've got like a movie crossover although you say Dark Horse had the comic book licence with Aliens any other great out of house crossovers that have happened or perhaps could happen oh in general with Dread yeah with Dread <sighs> I mean, no, we've done Predator as well. So he's done, he has encountered Predators, hasn't he? And he's done, and he did cross over Labour as well. I think Alan Grant wrote that. Oh, that's right. Yes, of course. Alan Grant again recently passed away. And they've done, um, yes, they've sort of done their own version of Superman back in the day. They've done fairly Hyperman or whatever, Mm. various options. They've also, I suppose, I mean, it's slightly weird that they get to do an official licence crossover with a- Alien mm. because... The Starborn thing, I think. Yeah, sort of. we've, we've had various uh, Alien The famous panel of Dread saying, I'm going to have a baby. Yes. <laughs> so he's had the Starborn thing. We've got those Raptor aliens that turn up, mm. um, which are quite, you know, xenomorph um, And we've done dinosaurs a lot of times, so we've done the Jurassic Park type thing. Yeah. I mean, it's, as you say, it's not like he hasn't encountered um, a variety of alien life forms. I mean, he's, you know, to quote Dredd from another story, he'd probably say, yeah, I've encountered aliens, I've put my fist through aliens mm-hmm. several times. Um, it's one interesting, like, I think that works with Dredd and maybe even Batman, is they're quite malleable in terms of character where they can fit in most situations, as we talked about the crossovers that aren't crossovers, just because Dredd's world is so malleable and parodyable that like you can create other versions of things and it still works yes yeah and I mean we're in a comic book shop it is as I put in our notes it's slightly a sort of an extension of the famous comic book debates about who would win mm. the fight you know um, you can imagine people saying I wonder how Dread would do against a predator or an alien um, and here we have I think um, it worked both predator where they're not just a IP it's just a a thing that exists a species yeah so Dredd can win a fight with one of them whereas if it was just the alien neither would be allowed to win because of their status and Alien starts obviously as a horror film I mean it becomes more action film orientated as the series progresses Mm. Um, and you noted that there's there's a slight problem always with introducing horror into comics particularly Judge Dredd comics because Dredd himself um, how do we put it? He doesn't spook easily. No, does. no, he's he's just, he's the ultimate straight man in all situations, be them comedy or horror. So yes, to get him flustered would take a lot. You can anger him, but you can't scare him, as it were. Yes, and I, I suppose some of the supporting cast, particularly the Expendables, as it were, the Verminators, mm. are introduced in a way to give us horror reactions mm, that mm. dread they are the do. ones that they are the common people dealing with the alien situation they yeah. are they are your moons your other just humans as it were. yeah uh, as you say yes dread is just gr- you know dread grim um, where he's like giant says are you always supposed to goes yep yeah, it is just that. And of course, and it's those of when you think of when they had the outbreak of fleas, and like, why aren't you scratching? Why aren't you itchy? I am. I just not scratching. Yeah, that's right. Famously stoic dread who just doesn't uh, react to any of this stuff. So it does have that slight problem for the character of dread. Mm. But of course, as you say, you then introduce all the supporting characters who can give us the reactions because dread just powers his way through. You know, um, 
right up until the end. Um, I also noticed that, um, I tell you, something I never quite understood from the alien sort of movies is this constant idea that corrupt politicians mm. and companies and businesses want to somehow research yeah it's, it's a very trope that appears a lot in many different end things of people like we can control them we can control them. oh we can't control them it's all gone bad it's now. all going it's all going horribly wrong uh, that, that can't really exist in Dreadwell where it's a police dictatorship not a corporate dictatorship so and Dread being basically the second to top authority in the world like after the chief judge which yeah. he just wouldn't take because it means he'd have to not be on the streets and without giving too many spoilers, let's say there's a moment in this story when um, Justice Department scientists have got two specimens mm. in... in I do enjoy that. It's, it's a very dread moment. And Dredd's like, he's not having it at all. <laughs> it's a wonderful moment. Just Dredd is he's like... He's very no. pragmatic in there. He's, it's just got to be more problems than worth. Yeah. We, we, we want, you know, the scientists, we want to keep these and study them. And Dredd, nope. <laughs> not happening. I do enjoy the line, I'm not the mothering type. <laughs> Um, yeah so I mean it's great fun it barrels along like an action mm, it, I, when I read it uh, this week I did feel like oh it just goes at a lovely pace it just and you can tell when it's like a cliffhanger from like for the next prog happens but you still feel like yeah keep reading yeah yeah I mean you know as I say you could see it as the comic book shop um, discussion about between fans about you know, who mm. to win. You could see it as companies just exploiting their IPs, but but also if it's done really well, do we care? No, no, no. Like Doug said, like if it's just a good story, it doesn't matter at the end of the day. If you enjoy reading it, like um, yeah, I mean, if we enjoy it, it's just great, isn't it? You know, and you we've got. We've got Wagner, we've got Diggle, we've got Tom Frame, Chris Blythe, and of course we've got Henry Flint doing superlative art. Definitely my like Mount Rushmore of Dread Eyes. It's just great, isn't it? I mean, it's just so good. Um, unfortunately, this 2012 Rebellion trade is now out of print. Um, it's the hardback still in print? So, the, is that the one with Predator? Yeah, they're, they're, yeah, they're all in one, the Predator and Alien crossovers. You can find it secondhand. It's no longer on the 2008 okay. website, but it is digitally. So, you can pay nine ninety nine and get the Dread Predator Aliens um, trade, which has got this story in it, but it's also obviously got the Dark Horse Predator stuff mm. as well. Um, this... You know, these Rebellion 2012 trades, I was sort of feeling quite pleased with mine because I've got John Wagner and Henry Flynn mm. signed it. But you've actually gone better than me because you've got... I got uh, Andy Diggle at a football concert and Henry Flint did me a little alien sketch in Silver Marker. There you go. And you've got uh, John Wagner in there as well. Yeah. So, perfect. Um, so, they're, they're very nice. I mean, it's a nice collection. In the back of it, we should mention you've got... Uh, we've got the covers. Covers by some like incredibly top, still top name creators like Kev Walker, Greg Staples, Fraser Irvin. Fraser Irvin's beautiful work because I think just when he was working like black to white. Yeah. So his use of shadows. And then uh, famously did A and B for the Prog 1335 by Jock, where Matt Smith couldn't decide, so he chose both. Not often 2000 no. years done a variant cover, but here he's got the two. Jock covers, both of which are great. We've got some notes from Andy Diggle about the partnership mm. with um, 
John Wagner. We've got some script. Uh, Deleted scenes. Yeah. Some sketches by Henry Flynn of like Bainy Diem. The Verminators get, obviously wants to get their faces right. I liked when Rebellion were putting in introductions and all the background. Mm, mm, mm. Um, you know, have Simon Pegg do the introduction is great. Um, written in 2003. So it must be about... I can't remember when Shaun of the Dead came out, but it's the, it, that was in the 2000s, uh, wasn't it? It's a space... It's, uh, Shaun of the Dead, it mentions it here. Yeah. So that would have come out. But yeah, that would have been... Because I think... Did Fazzy do an adaption of some? They did a Shaun of the Dead story in... Um, was it in the magazine? And it turned up on the DVD extras, I think. I believe so. It was like a prequel or like yeah. a spin-off, like where, how the groom got there. I think so, that's right. Um, it's also in Case Files 36 if you want to read it there. And as I say, you can get the digital collection from 999 on the 2000 East store. Um, before I ask you the tricky Grail page game... It is. Especially when it comes to Hent. Um, any other moments or notes from this story that you wanted to pick out? Mm. Not really. Like I love like the depiction of the lava. It's very alien-looking. Like, yeah. Very- there's a lot of use of like Geiger designs along with the Esquera, just bizarre mega city ones. But mainly it's, it's just a tour de force of Henry Flink in the draw, wonderful alien alongside wonderful dread. Yeah, you know, great dread stuff, great moments in uh, tunnels and corridors, great moments of aliens revealed on ceilings just that you want. Mm, I love the section where Dredd goes into the uh, ventilations that just face one of the aliens. Yeah, Dredd goes in alone. That's that's fantastic. That might actually be the... Is that the I'm Dangerous page as well? It might have been... Yes, I'm Dangerous Sanchez. Yeah. Um, so that's all great stuff. I mean, it's just terrific. It, it barrels along. It's oh, a great read. <laughs> Sorry? Oh. Yeah, I know. Oh, melting plate. Poor. Like I said... Because it's art, you can really get away with more visual striking. Have you read any other Alien comics before, Eamon? I've read... I remember reading some of the Alien stuff that was coming out uh, from Dark Horse, I think, in the 80s and 90s. Um, It still keeps coming back. Mm. They still keep going back to the franchise, don't they? Yes, I know Marvel now has a licence along with Predator. Oh, right. Kev Walker is now working on that one. Oh, is he? Oh, okay. Because he's contracted with Marvel. Fantastic. Well, let's play Grail Pages then. Okay, um, Grail. Ooh, it is a tough. There's at least two that I do love. Neither of them actually have dread in it, really. Um, right. Maybe one of them does, but um, there's the one that involves the Verminator. Who, which one's her name? Fisk. Fisk. Where she's got the alien on her back and there's that pause just before you know it's about to strike. Or it might be the this one. No, it does have dread, but like it's mainly for the baby alien encounter. The dada. Um. Oh right. <laughs> so early on in the in the book, there's the encounter with the alien and Fisk when the alien grabs her from behind and pulls her up into the ceiling in classic sort of alien fashion, mm. and um, you get a beautiful sort of. Henry Flint work on the, the, the xenomorph's body and mm, its tail I think it's one of the few down. times you get a full shot of it as well yeah it's great stuff and then later on towards the end of the book um, we get the moment between a xenomorph and the baby uh, which is fantastic so 
We'll grant you both of those, Graham. Oh. <laughs> and put those in the Grail page gallery for you. What about a cover? Would you pick a cover? Ooh, that well? is another tough one. We've got two beautiful Henry Flint one on the, the trade itself and on the inside where I've got my signatures. Yes. Which I believe was made into a statue of some kind. Was it? I oh, believe right. this, this, this image was turned into one. But... I do love the Henry Flint, but there is something striking about the Fraser Irvin one with just the use of negative space I quite enjoy. So I might pick that because I've already got some Henry Flint pages, so I'll take someone else's cover. So Fraser Irvin, wraparound cover for Prog 1330, uh, Dread versus Aliens, mm. and as you say, Fraser Irvin doing his wonderful work with um, light, negative space, uh, the implication of the aliens in the dark is mm. great stuff. Um, I, as you know, I do actually own a page yes, from this one. Yes, lucky I, you. I own a, a Henry Flint page of um, Dread and Giant and the judges in a corridor, and uh, it's got a judge being pulled up through a, uh, a roof panel by a, um, an alien, um, and it's got you know everything you want on there. It's got a bit of Dread, it's got a bit of Giant, it's got an alien. It's fantastic. So I own that page and I'll post that when this episode comes out in a month or two. Here we go. There we are. Great stuff. Okay, so um, those are the Grail pages and the Grail covers. And it's just, I mean, it's just as much fun as Trifecta really, isn't it? Yeah, I have definitely picked ones that are more uh, entertaining than like thoughtful, I guess. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you know, a bit of rip-roaring comic fun. Uh, with two great franchises getting together and uh, as we talk about that's what's beautiful about Dread is he can be a thought-provoking character or he can just be almost slapstick in his nature yes they can do so much with the the character in the world um, okay so that's Dread versus Aliens Incubus as it's called by John Wagner Andy Dignall Henry Flint plus all the others um We've done Trifecta, we've done this. We might come back at some point, probably next year, and do The Small House. Mm. You're thinking about that one for your next choice? Yeah, I think it'd be a nice, because it'd be sort of, a, it's kind of a sequel to Trifecta in a way, really. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's a lot of Walt Williams' main current modern work with Dread is building on those stories. It'd be interesting, it'd be fun to talk about some Rob Williams there as well, wouldn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, guest projects, we were talking before we recorded, you've done some writing for. The sadly no longer with the Zarjaz. Mm, yeah, I did. Uh, the, it might have been the last issue or the sector last issue of the Halo Jones by Dave Taylor cover. Right. I did a story in a, a future shop called Alien, actually. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> but I won't spoil what happens in it. You have to read it to enjoy it yourself. But. I shall check if that issue is still available and I'll put up a link in the show notes for this episode. Uh, you'd submitted another, another script to them, but of course Dave has now mm, passed away. No, sadly, yes. We don't know what's happening with that um, uh, in the future. I don't know if they're still planning to put out anything in the future. I know the Sentinel comic are putting out a special Bolt 01 okay. uh, comic dedicated yeah. to Dave. Um, okay, but you have done a little bit of writing for fanzines. Uh, and we should also mention that we're in Close Encounters comic shop here in Peterborough mm. which is your local it's my local yes you come in every week to pick every up week stuff. to pick up my my, my comics Kaya mate addict <laughs> and it is it is that great thing it's a proper comic book shop so they've got the new comics they've mm. got the trades they've got back issues um, 
they've got I mean they do have a, a fair supply of manga and Funko Pops which mm. you know obviously yeah. you have to to survive these days as a business and he's got Jeff has got branches of this shop in Bedford and Northampton as yes, well yes 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 um, and they run the nice con as well that, have, that hasn't happened the last few years because of the Covid but hopefully we'll come back yeah yeah um, so shout out to Close Encounters and uh, all the staff here at Peterborough so kindly put us up today uh, and I guess that'll do us Graham thank you very much thank you for having me again hopefully a little bit sooner than next time yeah. we meet we'll be back next year hopefully here to um, record about the small house and talk about some um, uh, weird dread world conspiracy stuff mm. More Hen Flint art as well. Absolutely. We look forward to it. Until then, thank you for everyone for listening to Mega City Book Club. Find all the links, including links to Graham's uh, writing for Zarjaz at megacitybookclub.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and the 2000AD forums, or email me mcbcpodcast at gmail.com. And that'll do us. From here in Peterborough, it's a goodbye from me. And say goodbye from him. Goodbye. Wow.